From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MVW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in, but why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome to the Tuesday, May the 19th edition of the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'm Neil McCready. Today on the show, have about a uh, 13, 14 minute interview with Barrett Slee of CBS Sports. Uh, Barrett had, I can relate to what happened to him. His internet went out this morning, so it's choppy in some spots. Uh, it disappears in some spots. It just happens when you are completely reliant, as we all can relate Two, in these pandemic times when you are reliant on internet and your internet goes out, it is sort of helpless. So about 13, 14 minutes with Barrett and then my uh, colleague at Rivals.com, uh, Gabe DeArman, PowerMizzou.com. He covers Missouri for the network. Uh, he spends almost 40 minutes with us. We talk about uh, what we're – he had a report uh, similar to mine at RebelGrove.com, his at PowerMizzou.com about what he was hearing from athletics directors and uh, that kind of thing about – what to expect next month as college football coaches and administrators start trying to get players back on campus. Uh, I had a report up at rebelgrove.com this morning with a good many details after talking to Keith Carter and other people yesterday. And uh, Gabe had something similar a little later this morning after talking to Jim Sterk and some of the other people at the University of Missouri. So all of that today, as well as some breaking news uh, from the Associated Press as it relates to name, likeness, and image legislation and lobbying and that kind of thing. So Gabe and I discussed that for uh, the better part of 40 minutes. We'll get you both of those interviews in just a minute. First, I want to tell you about the Oxford Exxon. It's on Highway 6 West in Oxford. Uh, download the Speed Pass Plus app right now, and you can uh, you can fill up your tank without uh, touching anything. Uh, no uh, no germs, no, no anything is the safest way to do it here during these pandemic times. And you can also go inside the Oxford Exxon, and uh, they've got great uh, soda, beer, daiquiri, snacks, meals. Their their ribs are fantastic. Plate lunches, all of those things at the Oxford Exxon. It's right next door to the Oxford Crystal, uh, right there on Highway 6 West. Uh, they've got drive through is open right now, delivery also as well, Uber Eats, Grubhub, Waiter, DoorDash. At Crystal, they've got the new Hangover Crystal with fresh cracked eggs, bacon, egg, and cheese crystal. One sixty nine available all day. Speaking of fresh cracked eggs, they have the fresh cracked egg biscuits, bacon, egg, and cheese, sausage, egg, and cheese. They've got the scrambler breakfast bowls, and of course, the pick five for five fifty five. And you can include the new Nashville hot chick part of that pick five for five fifty five. They're at the Oxford Crystal, right next door to the Oxford Exxon. I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios. Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900 the number. Call it. Ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. Right to the bottom line. No hassle, no haggle. You get your quote, and the rest is completely up to you. You can shop that quote around, of course, and uh, or you can do what I've done, and that is hop into a Clark Ford today. You'll love the service. You'll love the product. Corey wants to be your car guy. He wants to be a truck guy. He'll prove that to you when you make the call. 662-257-1900. 
Barrett Salee, Gabe DeArmond, and everyone who joins us on our network of podcasts joins on the Rafters Music and Food Hotline. Rafters on the Water is open. It's located at the Sardis Marina. So come experience outdoor dining unlike any place in North Mississippi. The menu offers shrimp and Mississippi catfish platters along with gourmet burgers and Louisiana-styled po'boys served on Leidenheimer French bread. It's uh, open Wednesdays and Thursdays, 3.30 to 10, and then Friday through Sunday, 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. They've got a newly expanded picnic-style dining area, signature appetizers including Zydeco shrimp and crawfish egg rolls, live music as soon as Tate Reeves allows it, and they offer a variety of fun cocktails, including their famous house-frozen margaritas. They also have to-go and curbside pickup available as well, so 662 712 6162 for that number. I mean, for that service, 662 712 6162. Speaking of uh, Rafters on the Water and the Rafters Music and Food Hotline, we go to it now. Barrett Slee of CBS Sports joins us. And remember, this is the audio is not great. The information is pretty good. I think you'll like what Barrett has to say. I think you'll be pleased with the trends that he's noticing, I'm noticing. But uh, there are some uh, connectivity issues. We'll get Barrett on for a, a lengthier conversation a little later. In, uh, in the summer, but for now, Barrett Salee, CBS Sports. Barrett Salee, kind enough to join us on the podcast. So I'm curious, Barrett, uh, you, you and I were talking just briefly before we got started. You said this is a, it's an interesting time, and I said that's putting it really mildly. Uh, you talk to a lot of people, I know, around college athletics. What's the general tone that you get today in terms of optimism slash pessimism slash just don't know yet? I think there's more optimism. There's certainly a just don't know yet uh, element too. But, you know, honestly, it, it feels like, I don't know if you're this way, but it feels like over the last 24, 48 hours, things have changed dramatically. Uh, and I don't know if that has to do, you know, with NASCAR's successful debut on Sunday or um, the fact that California and New York seem more uh, open to allowing pro sports without fans around June 1st or, or just a combination of the two or just a bunch of other factors. It just feels like the the tide has turned, so to speak, and that there's more common. No, I'm not say common sense. Uh, more, <laughs> it, it, we're, we're getting closer to a place where common sense might prevail. Um, you know, and and so I think the the fact that North Carolina, oh, North Carolina that California and New York uh, said what they said on Monday uh, to me is great for college football because it shows that there's going to be a blueprint, so to speak. And, and that the only real issue after that would be, you know, the health and well-being of getting students back on campus, which I think is, is obviously the biggest challenge now. But if there's a, an operational blueprint, that's, that's definitely something that will, uh, will help college football in the NFL. Well, the truth is, if you can get college, I mean, look, you know, coaches are creatures of habit. And they, they wanted to have their players there for the whole spring. And they want to have them there on June the 1st to get going and all that stuff. That's, that's all well and good. But the truth is is if you can get your players to campus by June the 15th, you can get your players ready for a Labor Day start to the season. I mean, that, that's – it might not be the ideal amount of time, but it's an adequate amount of time, and you can get that done. Yeah. I mean, you know, you have to have a certain amount of, of strength and conditioning, pure strength and conditioning, because, you know, these players aren't, aren't in football state by riding Pelotons and doing beach body workouts. I mean, that's just not reality. So right. you have to have – you know, some sort of, 
of, of pure strength and conditioning, probably a break, and then, you know, start a fall camp that's, you know, maybe condensed a little bit, but not much. So, yeah, I, I'm a, I agree. I think if they're back on campus by June 15th, then there's no question that uh, an on-time start uh, w- would happen. Anything beyond June 15th, July 1st, July 15th, all right, maybe. I mean, kind of, sort of a chance of on time. But, uh, you know, I've said for a long time there are so many different hurdles and obstacles that, you know, seemingly change day by day. You know, one th- I, was, I was of the uh, opinion on Monday morning that we'd never have college football on time. Uh, and that it would be delayed. By the end of the day, I thought, oh, yeah, it's definitely coming back on time. You know, it's a, it's an evolving beast. And, and so that's why I think, you know, you sort of have to assume through what's said that everything's sort of a guideline. And everything is, is very fluid. And, and so I still think it's going to be delayed just because I don't necessarily think it's going to happen where you have all kids back on campus on June 15th. Well, I'm the same way as you. I, I think it's going to be delayed, and I'll tell you why I think it's going to be delayed. Tell me whether you think this is a crazy theory or not. I've run this by some people, including people in, in college athletics who go, well, you know, it could be. And that is, I don't believe college football really wants to play games with no fans. Yeah. I, 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 I think there's a strong sentiment out there that we really don't want to do that. It doesn't make a lot of financial sense for a non-Power 5 program to do it at all. In fact, it's, it's idiot, idiocy to do it. So I think there's a there's a tendency on on their part to say let's wait and you know this this is assuming that the NFL that Major League Baseball and and NBA don't play games in front of fans. The NFL will. They'll play games and those games will include fans. And so if they wait and let the NFL play some games with fans and then nothing bad happens, there's no crazy outbreak or whatever, it sort of frees them up end of September, 1st of October to say, okay, we're good, and we're going to open up our stadium to fans now. I think that's fair. I think that's fair to, to consider that, and I think college athletics will probably look at that with a little bit more um, scrutiny because you are dealing with college kids. And so uh, I think you're going to have to have um, you know, the college players on campus to show that internally there's no danger. And then if there's no danger there, then I think student or, uh, administrations will look at, at fans and the operational standpoint and try to figure out exactly how uh, you can get fans in the stands because it is important, certainly from a revenue, but also from a just a pure, um, you know, the, the way that the, it's perceived on TV, the, the, the event, the, you know, everything surrounding it, the tailgating, all that stuff, um, the pomp and circumstance. So I think they, that absolutely is going to be part of it. I wonder, though, Neil, and, and I'm, I, this is something that I've talked to some folks about, and every 100,000 cases, anybody, per, a person, has a 0.005% chance of, of getting coronavirus. 0.00, right? So, so you extrapolate them. Hey, Barry. Uh, 0.005 of a person is going to get it. So it's like a fingernail of a person. Yeah, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Go ahead. Go ahead. You, 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 it picked back up. It faded for a second. Okay. Okay. So I think that the, the risk is minimal now. And as soon as we're gaining more information you know, day after day after day. And by the time the fall rolls around, we're going to know what treats it better. We're going to know what risks actually exist. We're going to know, you know, for certain which demographics, you know, what the demographics say in terms of who's more likely to get it and how severe it is. So I just, 
I just don't understand what why what having no fans accomplishes, and and I think that's what that that's kind of why I think you're right. College football might wait um, to to see the pluses and minuses, and and learn best practices, uh, and and start the season with fans because it just wouldn't be the same without it. No, and I think assuming Major League Baseball, which is a hell of an assumption, and you're there, you're a big Braves fan, you're there in a, a very in a in an MLB town. Assuming that the players and the owners can can reach some form of of detente with their labor negotiations. Um, I think Major League Baseball is going to open up to fans at some point in the summer. I, yes. I, I, I just do. I, I, the players want that. The owners want that. The fans want that. It's outdoors. It's all of those things, right? You, you just – and so I, I, I think – It's hot. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, when you go to a game, you don't even have to be in the south. I mean, you go to a game in Cincinnati in July, it's hot. In in August in Chicago is hot. I, I just I just think there there's there's going to be a. I know college football doesn't want to go first, and fr- frankly, I don't think college football will go first. I've been told by too many people in college sports that there is a zero percent chance that college football goes first with fans. I think, like to your point, by that point of the summer, somebody else will have already gone, if you will. Yeah, and I think it, what it probably will happen, and look, I, I think um, I, I think having fans in stands should be fine and will be fine, but if it takes baseball being the guinea pig or if it takes baseball selling 10,000 seats per game or 5,000 seats per game, you know, and, and just build up incrementally, then and I, that's going to go a long way towards not only allowing college football and the NFL to happen as scheduled in the way we're normally accustomed to it, but really I think – that would show a lot of uh, of people in the medical field what this what this virus really is because and and I think that's what is so important what doesn't get discussed in this conversation you have a bunch of people practicing together that's typical folks if you have 10,000 fans in the stands at a baseball game, that's going to give a ton of information to, to, to medical folks. So once this whole thing with sports get last Sunday with NASCAR, the information is going to increase exponentially. And that's why I think you're right. You're going to have baseball, I would say, by August, have fans in the stands. I think you'll probably see it you know, incrementally in terms of how many tickets get sold. Maybe you just have season ticket holders in at first. But no, I agree. I think um, it would be really important for Uh, the test, so to speak, whether it be local, you know, in, in America or, you know, international with soccer or whatever, um, you know, I think it'd be very important. I think Major League Baseball is going to be the one that does it, assuming, like you said, um, those negotiations don't get too stupid, which might be easier said than done at this point. Well, that sport cannot afford. If you don't play a season because the, the, the health situation is such that you just can't play the season, that's one thing. Whether people agree with it politically or not would be another another subject entirely but if you don't play a season in the midst of a pandemic because you can't reach financial terms you can't uh, you can't get on the same page financially and get something done that's the kind of thing that cripples a sport for the long term yes 100 percent. it did it before not necessarily under the same circumstances but uh the end result you know in terms of of why it happened was was pretty similar and uh I hope baseball doesn't go down that road won't keep you for another minute because i know you're, you're having some internet issues and that kind of thing curious 
you you've covered a lot of college football. You're around a lot of college football. Ole Miss, obviously, with a new staff, Lane Kiffin and his staff, they missed the spring. They're missing an offseason, certainly most of an offseason anyway. How much of a disadvantage for programs like Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Arkansas, just thinking around the SEC with new coaching staffs, new systems, that kind of thing, how much of a disadvantage are those programs at because of missing what we just talked about? It's a bit. It's a huge disadvantage. I mean, it's a huge disadvantage because, you know, in in years past, I'm not the biggest believer of oh, new coach, things are going to tank and it's going to be a re- big rebuilding job or a new system, you know, things are going to tank because you have so much time to 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 work into what you're doing. But yeah, I mean, if you have new staffs that that really haven't held practice and really haven't gotten into the weight room and and instilled that kind of of mentality, it's a big problem. There's no doubt, and, and that's why. Look, I, not to throw shade at, at some of our colleagues, but I'm not the biggest Phil Steele guy, you know, because I think he puts too much faith in uh, in returning starters and returning coaching staffs. But this particular offseason, I think it is a huge factor. That's why I wonder about LSU because of personnel. That's why I wonder about, like you said, the two teams in your state, Arkansas. Uh, those things matter. Uh, those things matter a lot. So, yeah, it's a big disadvantage, I think, for, for the quarterbacks at Ole Miss. You know, you're missing out. Uh, on on getting taught by a guru in Lane Kiffin, a guy with a proven track record of developing quarterbacks and, and developing uh, potent offenses. So yeah, it's a it's a problem. There's no doubt. I think Ole Miss is uh, the the one shining uh, the one sort of silver lining for for Ole Miss is that you do have a good running game. Obviously, uh, the quarterback situation is uh, diverse and healthy, which is good. Um, you know, so you have that going for you. So if Lane has to dumb it down a little bit because he hasn't gotten his system in, then you know, Ole Miss still has a pretty good shot of moving the football consistently. Barrett, as always, man, fun to talk to you. Hopefully we can do it again soon. Good luck with the internet. I went through that about a week or two ago. It's not fun, but the, uh, the once it's fixed, it's, it's a more pleasant deal. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thanks, Neil. All right, man, talk to you soon. The Oxford Exxon podcast is also brought to you by the Iron Horse Grill. It specializes in on-site large event catering for up to 250 people and off-site full catering services, especially beverage catering. One day we're going to get back to normal when we do. A lot of parties to catch up on, a lot of get-togethers that will need to take place, that will want to take place, wedding receptions, rehearsal dinners, graduation celebrations, and more. And the Iron Horse Grill is your answer to be able to enjoy that moment. It's a one-stop shop for beverage services for a 250- to 500-person wedding or even a 3,500-person gala. It's the largest beverage caterer in Mississippi. It can service the entire state. So call Sarah Black at 601-398-0151 for your catering needs and knock that off your worry list. Let the Iron Horse Grill make your event one that is memorable forever. Uh, We're also brought to you by Dead Soxie. We've been telling you about this is an incredibly strange time. We're all living in millions of us all over the world have been impacted by these unusual events. And the Dead Soxie team hasn't been immune to that situation either. Uh, They've uh, faced some tough choices, and what they've done is instead of cutting costs and jobs, they're thinking about things a little differently. They want to keep their team intact, paid, and employed, and they need your help to make it happen. In the spirit of people helping people, they've decided to run a first-of-its-kind support sale. They have slashed their prices site-wide, $6, $9, $11 a pair. They'd rather you get their socks discounted so they can keep paying their team Rather than worrying about margins at times like this, it's deadsoxy.com, D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com. We're also brought to you by Nest and Wild. Sleep better with a Nest and Wild mattress. It's a Mississippi-based mattress company making a high-quality mattress delivered right to your door. They make buying a new mattress easy. Every Nest and Wild mattress is one foot thick 
giving you comfort and support that will last. A lot of online brands sell an 8-inch or 10-inch mattress, but not Ness and Wild. Everyone is 12 inches thick. They're all American-made, and it's a uh, fantastic deal because we're throwing in a podcast discount. Go to nestandwild.com, order your mattress, enter the podcast code REBEL20, that's REBEL20, get 20% off your purchase. Your mattress will arrive at your door in three to five days. Brought to you by Pinnacle Trust, Pinnacle Trust based in Madison, Mississippi. They've got clients in more than 20 states, advisors in multiple states as well. Founded in 1997, Pinnacle Trust provides detailed, specialized investment management, financial planning, retirement planning for individuals and businesses, and much more. At Pinnacle Trust, investing is treated like a commodity. Decisions are made using objective information and research, not emotions. So regardless of your level of wealth, Pinnacle Trust will sit down with you, listen to your goals, study your expenses, and put forth a comprehensive, detailed financial and retirement plan built just for you. Cookie cutter financial planners put you in a box. Pinnacle Trust builds a box just for you. To learn more, go to Pintrust.com. That's P-I-N-N-Trust.com. Mention you heard about Pinnacle Trust on the podcast. You'll get 10% off your first year's fees. And we're brought to you by Grenada Nissan. If you're in the market for a Nissan vehicle, Grenada Nissan's the place to go. They've got a complete selection of new and previously owned Nissan vehicles. Great lease deals as well. Been with us a long time. We'd appreciate you staying uh, loyal to them as well here in these weird times. You're in a, you, you want a Nissan vehicle, Grenada Nissan is where you need to head. It's GrenadaNissanUSA.com. Thanks to Barrett for his time, even uh, as connectivity issues are uh, frustrating and distracting. It's always good to talk to him. One of my favorite people in the business and uh, one of the voices that I pay a lot of attention to because he talks to a lot of people. People respect him and um, I think he's pretty optimistic about the direction that we're headed. I am too. So is Gabe DeArmond, who uh, is with PowerBazoo.com, covers Missouri for Rivals.com. You hear him often on the greatest pod in the South with myself and Jay Tate. So uh, we'll go back to the Rafters Music and Food Hotline. Here's Gabe DeArmond of PowerMizzou.com. So just then, Gabe, uh, earlier today I was talking with Barrett Salee of uh, CBS Sports. His internet, I can relate, uh, has died this morning. So uh, we've I've been there, you've been there. So you're kind enough to to jump on uh, here on the Oxford Exxon podcast. So you you put up a lot of notes today at powermizzou.com. And uh, I had some stuff up a little earlier this morning, probably about an hour before that, on rebelgrove.com. We both clearly have talked to a lot of people uh, at different places, and we're starting to hear a lot of the same things. There appears to be, as of May the 19th, a little bit of a consensus as to what we can, can look for right now. Yeah, I think at some point in June, um, they're going to bring back some football players. Uh-huh. You know, we... It's interesting in, in talking to some people, a clear distinction has been made. We we talk about athletes, but it's really the only, and I didn't know this, only football and the two basketball programs have anything that is anything other than 100% voluntary in the summer. So if you're not in one of those sports, like volleyball players, anything else in the fall, this, this isn't really applying. Uh, this is about and we all know this about when you can get football players back to campus in reality but uh, yeah i think that's going to happen sometime in june and certainly in the sec but i've talked to 
you know, some, some people in another conference too. And, and I don't think it's going to be limited to the SEC. I think some other conferences are, are going to start to do this. The SEC, I think, might be first because I, I would expect at least some SEC schools to do this on June 1. Uh, I, I think, you know, some other places might wait more till, till kind of mid-June. Yeah, I think I think anywhere in there is is satisfactory. I mean, you know, you, Barrett and I were talking about this. Like, obviously, college coaches, if, if you say, when when do you want your players? They're like, yesterday, right. day before yesterday. But, you know, realistically, if they can get their guys on campus June 15th and have an acclimation period and they can have all of, you know, the second half of June, all of July, and all of August to get ready, they'll, they'll that's, ad, that's an adequate amount of time to get your players. I mean, Neil, you and I both started covering college football, or at least, uh, you know, it was when I was in college. Like, there was no such thing as all year round. I mean, yeah, they had spring football, but then kids went home in the summer, and they showed up on the first day of fall camp in August, and that's what you got. You had a month to get ready for the season. You know, so I understand or, it's or they didn't, Or but... they didn't come until July. I mean, they, they all went home for right. June. Yeah, I understand it's it's different now, and it's a you know there's there's more involved and and more money, and so coaches have to win and all that. But there was a time when college football was not a twelve month a year sport. I think at least for a year we can survive if it's not a twelve month a year sport. Um, and look, there are going to be some kids that come back out of shape. I yeah, it's going to happen. I mean, but that happens, honestly. There are kids that can get out of shape in like two weeks, man. You give those kids a couple of weeks off to go home and eat mom's cooking, some of them come back out of shape pretty quick. Well, you know, it's funny. I was talking to a parent of an Ole Miss player yesterday. I won't give any specifics because I don't think he would want his, his name out there. But I asked about his son, and I said, you know, what kind of you know shape is he in? And he said, well, the problem was for about the first five weeks, there was no place to get into a gym. He said right. so it, was, it was, you know, push-ups, sit-ups, body weight stuff you know and um yep. and that's better than nothing but that's not as good as a as being able to get into a gym and 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 put weight on a squat rack or weight on a, a bench press and 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 do all the things that that college football players do there's no place to do power cleans and, and there's nobody to you know do all that stuff and so i said well, what about since then he said well you know some gyms have opened up some high school gyms have let guys get in there a little bit there's been some commercial gyms that have opened up so it, it's you know there's begun to kind of work to get back he said but there's no doubt that that you know he probably lost some progress that that he had made so you know but you can they're young and they can get that kind of stuff back pretty quick and uh you know i i think i think that's going to be an issue for programs when kids first get there and i've been saying this for a while one of the fascinating things that will come out of this is we will get to see which coaching staffs which strength and conditioning staffs are smart and which yeah. ones are so robotic that they can't make adjustments? Well, and, and I think you and I obviously both are, are covering guys who – did Ole Miss have any spring football at all? Not one practice. Okay, Missouri had three practices. So so not enough to – like I don't think they ever put pads on. So certainly neither of these coaches has installed anything. Um, you know, has none of, his, none of their players have actually run a single rep – 
uh, from their offensive or defensive playbooks, really. Uh, so it, it's going to be pretty interesting. I've listened to, you know, I listen to the Yahoo NFL podcast a lot with the with Charles Robinson and Trez Paler, and they're both saying, hey, this is a season where, like, rookies are going to make a, a less of an impact than usual, where teams that are bringing back a lot of their same guys are going to be an advantage, where guys that are in the same systems, you know, have the same coordinators, have an advantage. So, yeah, I think it's probably going to be tougher for the team you cover, the team I cover, anybody else that, that hired a new coach is breaking in a new quarterback, whatever. Obviously, there's more turnover every year in college, but, you know, we, we might see more red shirts than we usually see. I mean, kids kids are going to hit campus in whatever, early July, and, and they're probably not going to be ready to help day one in an SEC football program. Yeah, I don't think they've really decided um, exactly what they're going to do with the freshmen. You know, they, the way the, the rules used to work, you couldn't bring anyone to campus, freshmen or otherwise, unless they were taking at least three academic hours. That was the only way that you yeah. could give them, you know, scholarship aid, that you could honor their grant. I think the NCAA is going to waive that. So far, the NCAA has indicated that it's it's willing to waive that on returning players, but they haven't really addressed newcomers and you know, some of the people at Ole Miss were saying, you know, that, and I'm sure this is this case at Missouri and everywhere else, it's, is that really the way that you want uh, young people with their first college experience? We forget that these are kids, you know, that these are kids that are leaving home for the first time. They're, they're going to college for the first time. Do you really want their first college experience, their first college class to be online in the midst of, you know, it's it's and it's not the end of the world. They've taken some online stuff. It's not as big of a deal, but... I mean, the people that were saying, hey, you know, it's it is a conversation that we're having. And frankly, I'm glad that they're having that conversation because it it shows that they're they're looking at these at these uh, kids coming in as more than just pieces of meat and football robots. They're actually thinking about what's best for their for their long term uh, development, socially, academically and otherwise. Yeah, it's it's a discussion worth having. Um, You know, I, I think I mean, realistically these kids first college classes is, is a summer class with that's probably a fifth of the size of a rate. It's not a normal experience anyway. Um, so, you know, I, I don't have it. I think it's better to let them get up here and meet their teammates and be around the team and work out and be treated like the rest of the team than it is to say, no, you have to stay at home because we don't want you to take an online class. The first for your first class, you know, um, I mean, don't, whatever, whether they take classes or not, like you said, there are no rules this year. I mean, everything we know about, hey, how does this work and, and what's the what's the situation here, what's the rule there, none of that applies this year. It, it's all completely different, being made up by the day, the week, the month, whatever. And it, it is, you know, I think with the hope that this year is kind of the Wild West on a lot of fronts, and hopefully next June we are back to the way we've done things. If not back to the way we've done things in the past at least something that kind of can be consistent going forward so the other thing that's out there that i know you wrote about that i wrote about is and and again look this is may the 19th stuff can and, and probably will change but as of may the 19th these schools are having to have conversations about socially distancing stadiums and this is important that i say this yeah. because i was literally just looking at my message board and i'm getting yelled at for being part of team apocalypse when people say, hey, it's going to look different at the end of the summer, I tend to agree. But right. when you're a reporter and you write a story today, you can't do a whole lot of that projection stuff. You have to say, what are you, what are you looking at 
as of this moment, and as of this moment, they're preparing. Uh, Keith Carter said this yesterday. I think you've talked to the people at Missouri who say the same thing, that they're preparing for a 25% full stadium. They're preparing for a 50% full stadium. They're looking at different yeah. scenarios from an economic standpoint because that's if you're running if you're running an athletics program, if you're the CFO of an athletics program, if you're the AD of an athletics program, those are the things you have to do because you have to be prepared for whatever different scenario might ultimately play out once August and September roll around. Yeah, I mean you've got to do you've got to prepare for the worst and hope for the best. Uh, you know, Jim Sterk told us last week, hey, full stadiums in the fall is probably not something you're going to see. <laughs> you know, I mean, they're not packing 90,000 into into Bryant-Denny in Tuscaloosa. Um, it, one interesting thing that, that I learned that I didn't really know, um, I mean, it makes sense, obviously, but there are some schools where the, the biggest chunk of their revenue is from uh, the TV contracts, obviously. And then there are some schools where they actually get more from individual game ticket sales and the revenue from that than they do from the TV contract. And I, when somebody told me that, I said, I, I assume the schools that get more from ticket sales are like group of five schools and these schools that don't have these this ridiculous SEC network money coming in. And I was told, no, there are schools in the SEC, despite how big that uh, that SEC revenue money is, that make more off of ticket sales than they do off of TV. So there might be some discussions at the table of like, hey, if you have one or the other, like some schools might want to might be much more okay with 25% of their stadium being full for a year as long as the TV money comes, whereas some schools might might be fighting a little harder to get more fans in the stadium because that's where they make money uh, or make more money. So it'll be interesting. I think the SEC does a good job of everybody at least you know, they keep their business behind closed doors. I'm not going to say everybody sits around and holds hands and, and sings kumbaya every meeting, but but at least in my experience, the public presentation has always been, we all feel this way and we all love each other and we're going forward. You know, I wrote about this. No one talked about this with me yesterday. I just, after listening to people, it was one of those things that kept coming up. Ole Miss plays Baylor, or is scheduled to play Baylor on Sunday, September the 6th, the day before Labor Day in Houston at NRG Stadium, the home of the Texans. And at that time, uh, if that happens as scheduled, that will be before the Texans play a regular season game, whether home or away. I don't know, I don't know what Houston's schedule is. but Yeah, they open at Kansas City actually on Thursday. Oh, yeah. so the Thursday before that or the Thursday after that? The Thursday after that. Yeah. So, so it would be a week and a half before. So, yeah. so I, I question, you know, like in a scenario where you say, okay, well, no fans – that stadium is owned by the city of Houston, if I'm correct. If I'm if if I'm the people that are running that game, it's a you know one of those it's run by the same people that I think run the Texas Bowl or whatever. Yeah. If if I'm those people, and I can't have fans in the stands, so I can't get that when they when they booked this game, and you know they booked it before that was Lane Kiffin versus uh, um, oh, what's his name, the former yeah, Dave Aranda. Thank you. Yeah. You know, when they got that game, they're like, "Oh man! I mean, manna from heaven! You, you've got you've got uh, Lane Kiffin and, and Ole Miss, which is game one, which is pretty sexy, and you get Dave Aranda at, at Baylor after the job that he did at LSU as the defensive coordinator, and and so you've got that game. Well, you want the thirty thousand Ole Miss people that would have come to this game in a normal situation. You want the people yes. from Waco that were going to drive over for this game in a normal situation. You want that stadium. It wouldn't be completely full, but it it would have some atmosphere to it. It would be popping." And on a Sunday night on national television, 
you'd, I dare say, draw a pretty good number for Lane Kiffin's uh, SEC debut as a head coach. Yeah. Well, since Tennessee. And, and, Free debut, yeah. Yeah, but you don't get that without fans. And so, I, I, I mean, I, the part of me wonders if I'm Houston, I'm like, well, why are we doing this? I mean, shouldn't we, right. shouldn't we push this back to the end of the year or, or let's just agree not to do it? I, I, there's a part of me that just does not see how – College football with no fans makes any sense for most any entity, with the exception of the TV stuff. And like you see, it, you see Central Michigan today shutting down men's track and field and stuff. That's these are these these are the casualties that are coming as as a, a part of this because those those schools they don't have TV contracts to fall back on if they're going to right. have to, if they're going to have to socially distance their stadium or worse, there's no reason for them to suit up and play. Yeah, I think I think a lot of places. I, I I think the hope is that hey, like we can find some way to do this for a year if we have to. You know, now look, football has to be played. The money has to. You know, Central Michigan has to be able to at some point play that game at Michigan State and get that paid. Um, you know, Ole Miss or Missouri has to get that money from the SEC network. I mean, if it, legitimately, and look, I'm not, this is not breaking news or deserving of a Pulitzer or anything, but if college football, you know, Armageddon scenario, they didn't have a season, like college athletic departments are done. Those things, they don't survive, not even for one year. Uh, but I think people, they're kind of hoping, hey, it's going to have to be different if, if for a year at Missouri, rather than having 60,000 per game, can have, can only have 15,000 per game, like they think they can find ways to make it work for a year. Now, if it were to be, you can only have 15,000 every year for the next five years, like they're done. They have to quit. I mean, either everybody has to get fired or sports have to get cut or they, they just can't play anymore. But I think everybody's hopeful, obviously, that, at least by next August, we are back to some sort of a, you know, a, I, I can't imagine the, the set of problems we have if by next August we have not figured out a way to put 50,000 people back in the same place. Oh, I, I can't fathom it. Honestly, it's it's it's, it's literally unfathomable. If it, if it came yeah, to I, I mean, I'm a little stunned, honestly, that we're at the point we are right now talking about, you know, separating people by 20 feet and no spotters and things in, in weight rooms. I'm, it's a little bit shocking because I remember, and I'm sure you saw this too, it, back in March when the SEC tournament was canceled, like very early on, people, you know, and I remember talking to you and we were like, as long as the fall's okay, everything's going to be okay. And the, the response almost always was, well, look, if, if we don't have this figured out by August, we've got a lot bigger problems than if there's football or not. Well, here we are. Yeah, well, there's no question about it. it um, you know, jumping around a little bit, once, one of the things that's interesting is that nothing gets started on these campuses until they're confident that football is going to go, go down. You know, once they believe football is going to happen and that the season's going to get played and the money's going to come in, I think they'll let some of the other stuff happen. But these men's basketball coaches, mm-hmm. Kermit Davis, Conzo Martin, those kind of people, are used to having their kids on campus in in June, in July, they're used to they're, that's that's a work time. You get to do a lot of evaluation. I don't think those kids are going to be on campus until mid July at the absolute earliest. Right, they're the last ones that need to to get here because they're not under the time crunch. Football is, and it's not just 
you know, the athletic departments, I mean, the, the part that we don't really think about is, you know, how many people come to Oxford, come to Columbia, come to Auburn, Tuscaloosa, whatever, six, seven t- Fridays and Saturdays a year. And how many places those people eat and how many hotel rooms they fill and how many businesses rely on that in these towns as the reason they exist. Well, not only is that all in jeopardy of being cut in, you know, maybe, maybe honestly completely, because maybe now if somebody is coming and being one of a socially distanced 15,000 seat, well, maybe they won't come down and tailgate and drink all day. Maybe they're just like, yeah, I'll go to the game, but like, it's not an all day party where I'm going to go eat beforehand and tailgate in the parking lot. And then I need a room cause I can't drive home. So maybe that's, completely eliminated um you know mizzou was supposed to have a graduation last weekend that didn't happen the three high schools in town are supposed to have graduation this weekend that's not happening just all these people who normally come to like columbia doesn't exist without the university of missouri oxford doesn't exist without the university of mississippi i I mean it is what the town is built around and a big part of that is football is sports and if that doesn't happen that these towns uh, take a huge hit, and it's it's kind of a separate conversation, but it's kind of not. Take a break in the show to tell you about Community Mortgage, located in Oxford, Memphis, Central County, and Chattanooga. Underwriting and processing is done in Memphis, so you're getting local underwriting and understand your market. A leader in condo financing in Oxford, and the flow down option where you can lock in the current rate, but if rates go down before you close, you get the lower rate. 662-234-2704 or J-L-O-W-E at Community mtg.com also brought to you by g&m pharmacy on south lamar in oxford also tyson drugs on the square in holly springs both those locations are open for regular business hours tyson's is utilizing a walk-up window and g&m is offering curbside service there in oxford both stores are dedicated to local delivery and still able to deliver same day as well 662-236-2222 the podcast brought to you by visit oxford visit oxfordms.com is the website Click the very top so you have to support Oxford during COVID-19. You can see a list of all retailers, restaurants with curbside, with delivery options to uh, help you out there if you need that list. Also ways to support hospitality workers who are out of jobs right now in Oxford between Tupper Roulette and some other options that you have. Again, visit OxfordMS.com. Podcast also brought to you by Special Orthopedic Group. They are open in Tupelo and Oxford. You can skip the ER for urgent ortho-related injuries at both locations. They're offering, offering virtual health telemedicine. Patients have direct access to all SOG physicians and nurse practitioners. Patients have 24-hour access to appointments at 662-767-4200 or SOGMS.com. No referral is needed. Walk-ins are welcome. And then last but not least, we're brought to you by In-House Interior and Design, 662-681-6241. You can call. You can text. They are available for you. I talked to Nikki this week. They've been getting, picking up more clients because people are home right now. They're seeing things around their house they want to change. They want to fix up. They offer new client gifts. They offer dorm room appointments whenever that does uh, come with discounts as well. So you can find out more. Text or call 662-681-6241. It's why, in the end, I still think, as you know, and people say, why are you guys writing these stories now? Well, it's our job. To, well, because it's our job. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's our job to report what we're being told now. And these conversations are happening uh, every day, every week. They're getting together and they're saying, okay, we'll be, and all you can do is make decisions based on, based on what they know now. The one thing that has been interesting coming out of this to me is 
and again, look, the people who are like, hey, look, the heat is going to burn this off and it's going to be a non-entity by August. Hey, from your mouth to God's ears, let that be the case. Yeah. And if that's the case, super, none of this matters. But Nobody's if, acting like that's the case, though. Yeah, if you're if you're an administrator, again, if you're a CFO or an AD or a president at a university, you, you can't bank on that. <laughs> you can't You can't say, hey, well, here's what we're going to do. We're not going to worry about it. We're not going to put a plan in place because this thing's going to burn off and we're going to be good to go at Labor Day. That's, well, and then what if it doesn't? Yeah, and then if it doesn't, you are screwed. So we're reporting on the plans that they're having to make based on what they're being told from from commissioners from the NCAA who are talking to health people, all that kind of stuff. So what I find interesting is that one of the things that they're making plans for, and I think it's critical, and you talked about this a lot too, is what happens if – when you get everybody together this summer, a player test positive for coronavirus, a a coach, a trainer, a staffer, whatever, test positive, it's important that you have things in place where you can trace yeah. trace and locate so that – because like you said, and you're exactly right, if, if the response to a one positive test is we have to close it all down for two weeks, then you're not ready to start. Yeah, I, I understand why the NBA did what it did when Rudy Gobert tested positive in, on March 11th or whatever that was. That, that That is perfectly understandable. If the NBA comes back in October, whenever their season normally starts, and another player tests positive and they shut the whole season down again, then they sh- just should never have started. Like, there has to be plans in place to handle this. And that's why, I mean, I wrote on, on our uh, message board this morning, even over the last couple of months where everything's been quote unquote shut down, Missouri has had, I I was told on average, probably between 40 and 50 student athletes going into the facility to get rehab, medical attention, pick up to go meals. Like these kids are in town. They have leases. I mean, I I have, I know you have a, a kid in college and she came home. I have one in college and he never came home. He's still up there because like he's not, in any more danger being there if he's being smart than he is being here if he's smart. He had a lease paid through August. He had, at, at least at that time, a part-time job. You know, so, but, hey, stay there. That's fine. And so these student-athletes that maybe had off-campus leases in town that were paid for that stayed, hey, they can still go pick up a meal. If they pulled a hamstring in their spring sport or whatever, they can still go get – get better treatment than that. Um, and, and so they've, they've had 40 to 50 people through the facility on any given day told they're all, you know, getting health checks, temperatures taken when they go in. If they do leave town to go home or do whatever, they're getting uh, basically isolated for three to five days when they come back to make sure that they, they haven't brought anything back with them. Uh, I'm told actually they're on a, at least a couple SEC campuses, uh, like the student rec centers are already open. So, and I believe, actually, I was told Arkansas is one of them. So, look, if if these football players and basketball players are in town um, because they haven't gone home and the student rec center with a weight room is open, like, they're going to go over there. They're, they're going to go play basketball at the rec center if they can. They're going to go lift weights there or get on a treadmill or whatever they can do to stay in shape. So are you safer sending them over to that one? 
or having them in small waves come through the one that you control everything and your staff is in charge of. Probably the latter one, to be quite honest. So this has never, to me, been a discussion of what's safe and what's not safe. The issue, to me, has always been that the NCAA and all these schools and all these coaches and administrators have spent 100 years telling us that they're students first and athletes second. And that's all, like, look, even though we know it's not true, they they have to publicly maintain saying it, and they're kind of bordering <laughs> on the, the line of maybe not saying that anymore. Let me uh, – we're going to switch gears, but along those lines, I'm throwing a curveball at you that you probably have not seen. This is from the Associated Press. Uh, it, it, within the last hour, it's written by uh, Ben Knuckles. I don't know him. Uh, okay, me either, but I like his name. Yeah, uh, N-U-C-K-O-L-S, Ben Knuckles uh, with uh, the Associated Press. And I quote from his story, the Power Five conferences spent $350,000 on lobbying in the first three months of 2020, more than they had previously spent in any full year as part of a coordinated effort to influence Congress on legislation affecting the ability of college athletes to earn endorsement money. The Southeastern Conference was the biggest spender, Again, I'm quoting from the Associated Press. Hiring three lobbying firms and paying them a total of $140,000 according to lobbying disclosure forms received by the Associated Press. Before this year, the SEC did not employ Washington lobbyists, instead leaving the work of influencing Congress to individual universities and the NCAA. It's becoming more... So they were lobbying against... These kids being able to get the money? This is from Ross Dellinger. Per AP, Power 5 lobbyists are circulating what they want in a in, a, in an NLI, NIL bill. Athletes must complete one semester before inking endorsements, are banned from deals with those inconsistent with higher education, and are, <laughs> are limited to certain advisors to prevent unscrupulous actors. <laughs> There's, you know, so, so here's the thing. I'm going to say this. This is my thought, and then t- just have at it. You and I talked this morning just chatting. Between this and between the idea of, hey, we're, get, we're bringing you guys back to campus to get ready for a football season, and you're not student athletes right now. You're just athletes. They've never, they being the football players, have never had more leverage than they have today. Yeah, and, and look, if – if I were, I, I don't know, who's the most powerful, recognizable player in college football today? Trevor Lawrence, probably? Yeah, it'd be Trevor Lawrence for sure. Yeah. You know what? If I'm Trevor Lawrence, I'm calling a bunch of dudes that I know that play at Alabama and Auburn and USC and Notre Dame saying, look, guys, this is our chance. It may not benefit us, but this is our chance to say we're not playing under these conditions. We deserve to be paid because you're trying to – we're not regular students. You're bringing us – not only are you bringing us to campus when other regular students aren't being brought to campus, you're bringing us to campus, and like we were talking about earlier, in some instances telling us you will not pay for our classes. We are specifically here to work out and practice to prepare for a season to entertain fans to make you millions of dollars of which we will see zero. This is the time that honestly, like, that's what they should do. Um, 
They're never going to have – this is a perfect proof of, hey, we're employees, man. We're, we're making you money. And by the way, we're not getting any. And, and you know, it's I, – I don't know if you've had any discussions about this. I've, I've had a couple – and it said, you know, so what happens in the scenario that a kid doesn't want to play? Because yeah. there's going to be one. Oh, it's uh, a matter, it matter, doesn't... matter of time. Assuming that, yeah. the th- again, we're taping this on May the 19th. Correct. Assuming that on August the 19th, this has not just burned off and gone away. And if that's the scenario. And, then, and really, it's, right. it's more important than that sooner than that. Because if the SEC does rule, kids can come back on on june 1st right that's 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 less than two weeks yeah it's less than two weeks yeah so so it's not going to drastically change between now and june 1st in all likelihood so right what happens the first time johnny jones's mom says i don't want you going back there yet i'm not okay with this um and and honestly the people i've talked to said look that's something we've talked about and and we don't really know yet Nobody, nobody knows exactly how that's handled. And I flat out said, I said, you understand the optics of this just from my perspective is these aren't students. Everything. Now, if, if Greg Sankey would come out and say, look, Hey guys, we're here to win football games and we got millions of dollars in TV revenue and blah, blah, blah. Hey, I'm okay with it then. Now, Greg Sankey is never going to come out and say that. Uh, but, you know, again, and, and I don't want this to be taken like you. Like, this is not me saying I, I want the players to strike and I don't want football and we should never come. None of that's true. No, of course not. But you can, you can desperately want them to play football and still be capable of critical thinking and look at this and say, if I'm a college football player, I'm saying, what are my choices here? Because not only are there going to be kids who don't want to play, but the truth is, of the kids who are nervous about playing or coming back, there is no chance any more than one in ten would actually speak up about it. Probably the number is far less than that. Right. Look, if Mike Trout doesn't want to play, it's real easy for Mike Trout to say. First of all, he's got millions of dollars in the bank. Second of all, the, the Anaheim Angels aren't cutting him. No, no. In fact, you know. they, in fact, they probably would pay him to not play. <laughs> right. So it's very easy for Mike Trout, for Patrick Mahomes, for guys of this stature to say, I'm, I'm not comfortable, I'm not doing this. It's a whole lot harder for the sophomore running back who's just on scholarship for his general studies degree while he plays football, you know, to, to speak up and say that. So it is something, and, and look, like you said, People might get mad about us talking about it, but the fact is it's a discussion being had. 100% that's a discussion being had among athletic department people. I just wonder what it means banned from deals with those, quote, inconsistent with higher education, end quote. So, like, you can endorse, like, big chief paper tablets or a a backpack. You could do that. Uh, Apple would be okay. Laptops you can use. Um, but like Coca-Cola doesn't help you at all. So you can't do that. You can't, can't endorse the local restaurant or bar, I guess. I, I mean, yeah, that's, so, that's so you can, I wonder if you could, and I'm just, just pulling this out of thin air. I wonder if you could, uh, endorse a Mercedes dealership, say 30 minutes from your campus. I don't know how that helps higher education. Is that inconsistent? With higher education? I don't know. I don't exactly know what that phrase means. 
And then, and then, what is the term "unscrupulous actors"? Is that is that agents? Is that bag men? I mean, what what is that? I, I, I think it's I, I think it's boosters that or it's the people that have existed in college sports forever. Which is the guy that's going to say, "Here's a hundred thousand dollars to do a ten minute autograph session at my restaurant." See, even I don't have a problem with that. As here, my deal is, and I think this is a solution on so many levels. I've always thought this. There's no way you're ever going to make everything fair and equitable, but it's never been fair and equitable. If you're trying, right. if the goal is fair and equitable, well, good luck. I mean, well, I love, and I'm sure you've seen a lot of it too, because I've seen a ton of it from Missouri fans. And look, you don't see this probably from Alabama fans because they are the the haves, they are the elites. But a ton of well, all this stuff is just going to make it harder for us to compete. Harder than what? Harder than never playing for a national title? Harder than not having won a conference championship since 1969? I mean, what are you making harder here? It's, it's the same. Yeah, it's it's always been it's always been pay for play in many ways, especially at the high level. Yeah. I mean, you know, who the same teams we do this thing with it's one of the reasons I think both you and I bristle at being called recruiting sites. I mean, I'm not a recruiting site. I mean, Ole Miss is never going to win the recruiting national championship. The same, right. the same five teams win it every year. It's Alabama. It's 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 Ohio State. It's Georgia. It's I mean, you know that's yeah. it's the it's the schools that um, are more invested than others. It just kind of is what it is. And it, but to finish my point, my solution at least has always been, hey, as long as it's above board, we really don't put any limits on it kids benefit from it it's out there it's public anything that happens has to be released it has to be foyable and then if you get caught doing something under the table well you're you're going to get hammered just hammered and i think maybe that is that going to clean it all up of course not but it is it is going to make it is going to make people hesitate a little bit and the other thing it'll do is you know if you're if you're running the I always use this analogy because I think it works. Tell me if you think I'm crazy. I'll use one in Missouri. If you're running a big dealership in, uh, well, now I won't use Missouri. I'll use Alabama again. It's better. You're using, you're running a big Honda dealership or something in in uh, Birmingham. You you don't want to alienate all the Auburn fans, and you don't want right. to alienate all the UAB fans, even though there aren't as many. But they they buy cars. It's kind of like Michael Jordan. You know, Republicans buy shoes too. Yep. Yeah, uh, you know, Auburn fans buy cars too. So if you're going to endorse an get an alabama player to endorse your product truth is you're probably gonna go get an auburn player and a uab player to endorse your product as well and just cover your bases with all three fan bases i mean that makes all the sense in the world from a business standpoint and i think you'd see more and more of that kind of thing and you know how rich people didn't get rich by being stupid and just pissing money away like i've seen a lot of well now this this guy's gonna go spend five hundred thousand dollars to have a kid do a 30 second car commercial well first of all no he's not because he didn't become a millionaire by throwing away five hundred thousand dollars for 30 seconds and second if he was going to do that for a 30 second car commercial he probably already gave that kid five hundred thousand dollars to play football at that school anyway so we're not changing anything except we're making it okay. I mean, honestly, it's the same argument that, that for people that 
that have wanted to make marijuana legal for years, to be quite honest. Hey, if you make it legal, fewer people are actually going to do it because there are some people out there who do it just because they're not supposed to. You know, I, I mean, and I think the same thing might be true in this situation, which is, hey, if, if you just kind of legalize this, like, hey, let them pay the kids to go do their car commercial. Like, I don't really think you're going to be seeing millionaires throwing hundreds of thousands of dollars away, at least not any more than they are now. It's the tone deaf part of the making them go through one academic semester before they can ink a deal. So, so in that scenario, you're completely, you're completely endorsing the black market. I mean, you're, you're well, saying, and also, like, you know what that does? Anthony Davis never gets a deal in college, right? Right? Because he only did one academic semester. Like, I know he probably started a second one, but I promise he dropped out of it. Like, he went to the draft. Why would he keep going to class? So all these one and done kids, like, they never get to do that. And those are the kids that probably you want endorsing your businesses. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't no know. No offense, I don't want the backup left guard doing a commercial for me. No, I mean, that's where that's 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 where I had a problem with the, the video game deal. And I'm not a video game guy, but years and years ago, it was amazing. The schools had no real problem with video games and, and with the players on the, the college video games. And now it's just, oh, it's just too, it's just too much. It can't be done. That's, that's the path to being able to the backup left guard to get a little check. Not much. Get a little bit, right? You know, I mean, there's for every for every two players on the Missouri roster that are marketable, there's seventy that aren't. Twenty, yeah, yeah, minimum. I yeah, mean, yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I I think I think they sometimes on a day like today, there's it's revelatory sometimes of how still tone deaf some in Indianapolis are as to what the what the real situation is. But you know. I don't know. There's a lot. There's a lot to happen. It's it's uh it, it's a fascinating time because this would have been what I guess next week. This weekend coming up would have been the 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 spring meetings in Destin. Those aren't happening, yeah. and and uh, there's yet there's a lot of decisions that are getting made. A lot of a lot of things that that have to happen between between now and whether it's June first or June fifteenth. And when that day comes, so one of the things that you and I've talked about a little bit as we wrap up, what we do changes so completely now because in the old days being starting last year you 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 would have had some access to the facility during the summer now there's i don't i don't anticipate having any access to the facility even covering a practice the entire season the, the first time i see missouri run a semblance of an offensive play under eli drinkwitz is going to be the first play of the first game of the season, if I'm allowed to cover that. Yeah, I was going to say, and, I mean, and a real decent chance that you're, you're doing that on television right. with yeah. access to a Zoom call to talk to uh, Elias Drinkwitz after the game. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be very interesting. But I do think, you know, we talked about uh, yesterday, like we're 100 days from the season, so a lot can change. But I think the good thing is, at least for us, starting on Friday, we're going to start to have some answers, uh, at least on what a plan is. Now, that doesn't mean that plan's never going to change and all that, but on Friday afternoon, I think we're going to get something from the SEC of either, hey, kids can start coming back June 1st and it's up to schools, or kids can start coming back June 15th, or this has been extended or whatever. I, I think we're going to start to, because so far, really, for two months, all we've had are questions and hypotheticals, and it's almost been a race among college football media to, like, come out with the, 
hey, this guy said this thing about what could maybe possibly happen, and it's also stupid. Well, now, finally on Friday, we're going to have an actual league saying this is what we are going to do in the immediate future. Hey, great stuff. Really appreciate you jumping in on such short notice. Thanks so much for... Yeah, uh, no problem. When I got your text, when you said uh, Barrett had internet issues, I actually at first read it as he had interest issues. I'm like, (laughs) well, I'm not really interested in doing your podcast either, but, you know, I can't. (laughs) (laughs) Interest issues would be the story of my life. I mean, that would... That would pretty much... Neil, describe your your, your dating life in two words. Interest (laughs) issues. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. Thanks for the time. Talk to you soon. All right, bud. Have a good one. Our thanks, I should say, to Gabe and to uh, Barrett for their time today on the Oxford Exxon podcast. The plan uh, moving forward is uh, a little cloudy. Not exactly sure what we're doing. I think we might tape uh, Wednesday morning a uh, kind of a regular podcast, just the two of us talking. I know we're doing a um, doing a a wine tasting uh, unboxing podcast on uh, Thursday evening i'm not sure whether we have something planned before that or not like i said it's just kind of kind of a week that's up in the air but um doing our best to get guests to you getting shows to you during this kind of weird time so hope you enjoyed today's show with uh, barrett salee and with gabe DeArmond. until next time take care stay safe we'll talk to you soon